0: We serve a mighty God who needs to be remembered. All that he does needs to be recalled and recounted through the ages. So I challenge you, whenever you find yourself in those moments where you say, I'm not so sure, think about what he's done in your life. I wrestled this week, folks. Now, I know a lot of folks are going to say, well, you didn't wrestle much. You stayed at home in bed most of the week. And I did. But you know, it's amazing. Sometimes God has to put you flat on your back to speak to your heart. And to bring you to those moments of wrestling, if you will. That happened to me this week. We've been working our way through the book of Daniel. And I so wanted to preach out of Daniel chapter 4. Because I believe there's such an amazing lesson to be learned. From seeing a king. Dropped onto his hands and knees in a meadow, appearing as a crazy man. But God had laid on my heart a number of weeks ago to preach out of Daniel chapter 5, and I, I argued with him. I lost. I didn't know why. I didn't know why until I laid on the couch And I watched unfolding on television the scenes from Florida. And I was watching what I had seen so many times before, what we've all seen too many times. And I wondered, why is this happening? And as I watched it all through the course of the day, I found myself realizing something. The record recorded in Daniel chapter 5 is not unlike... The situation we face today as a nation, my friends. In case you've forgotten, Daniel chapter 5 is where we find an amazing thing happening. There's a uh, party going on. And a mysterious event occurs. And a king is told that he's been weighed and found wanting you've got a Bible, I want you to take it and turn to Daniel chapter 5. While you're turning there, I, I just want to encourage you. I know that a few moments ago during the announcements, Brother Andrew mentioned that a few weeks down the road, Dr. Richard Ross will be here with us from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's a youth and family ministries specialist. He's going to be here with us on a Sunday but doing basically a miniature family ministry conference. And folks, if there's ever been a time when it's needed in our country for families to listen, it's now. And I know we've got some young adults who have young children saying, well, that's for the students. Yours are going to be students quickly. You better start preparing now. And for those who have students, this is your day. We want you here. For those of you who say, Whew, I'm past all that. You have grandchildren, great-grandchildren, nephews, nieces that you can still impact. Please, please invest yourself in the lives of our families. Because folks, I want to tell you something. What happened in Florida wasn't about a gun or a bullet. It wasn't about a security system or the lack of. It's about the failure of the family. You'll never convince me otherwise. I don't want to get off on that. It'll come up enough as the day unfolds. Daniel chapter 5 was one of Dwight L. Moody's favorite passages of Scripture. In fact, he titled one of his books, Wade and Wanting. It was his goal in preaching and writing from this particular passage to show how far even the greatest of leaders falls from God's righteous standard. Sometimes we spend all of our time getting caught up in in fame or notoriety or wealth or position or power, any number of other things we might seek or pursue after, and we might even gain those things, and yet at the same time, If we fail to make the love of God the highest priority in our lives, no matter how much success we gain, we fail. That's what happens in the life of this king. I want us to read it. Now, I know these scripture readings have been lengthy, this one is no different. And if you're looking at the passage there before you, you're saying, not only that, it plays hopscotch. It doesn't. But I'm going to tell you what it is. It is my rendering of the Reader's Digest condensed version of the nuts and bolts of chapter 5. And so we're going to read it together. Daniel chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. If you can and will, would like to, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word. If you cannot, please do not feel uncomfortable. Just listen, absorb God's word, and worship with us in the word of God. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. And while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. And as they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. The king called out for the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he'll be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. Oh, king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. Now, I just want to stop there, and I want to ask you, do you remember several weeks ago we had a scripture reading, and it said, There is a God... All right, here you hear this voice saying, there is in this kingdom a man of God. Don't ever discount the value of having a man of God in the kingdom. There's a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence And wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man, Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding And also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. Now we move to verse 18. Daniel arrives. He sees what the situation is. He says, O king, the most high God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory And splendor. Now drop down to verse 22. Stay with me. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. And then he undertook, in verse 25, to explain the writing on the wall. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, teiko, parson. And this is what these words mean. Mene. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Teco. You have been found, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Peres or parson. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. May God bless the reading of His Word. Would you pray with me? Father, there is power in Your Word. There is truth that needs to be learned, seen, revealed each time we open it. And I pray now for Your Holy Spirit to unveil our eyes, to help us to see the truth and apply it with wisdom to our lives and to the life of the people. Of whom we are a part. Father, teach us your truth. Show us your way. And give us the courage to walk in it, even if it is not acceptable to those around us. Father, convict us of our sin. Call us to salvation. Bring us to the cross to see Jesus there and recognize that he is our only hope show us your way this morning father for we pray it in Jesus name and all God's people said amen you may be seated Israel was still in captivity in Babylon but King Nebuchadnezzar with whom we have been dealing along the way Has died. His son Belshazzar was upon the throne. A vain and arrogant man, egotistical. And on this night of record in Daniel chapter 5, he hosted a great feast to celebrate his victories, to celebrate his greatness, to show everyone that he was large and in charge, that his kingdom, Babylon, was great, that the king of that kingdom was a mighty man to be respected and exalted by all, but it was all about to come to a crashing end, and he did not have a clue until God showed him. I just want to ask you, what do you do when the party turns to panic? Because that's what happened here, isn't it? I mean, he's having a great party. And it's not unlike the parties of our world in our day. He had gathered around him all of his good time friends to celebrate the good times they were having. But I want to remind you of something, friends. So oftentimes the good times precede immediately the hard times that are coming. They were celebrating their victories. They were celebrating their wealth. They were celebrating their affluence. Belshazzar and his friends were having a grand time. They were eating and drinking and living it up. They had no idea what the night held for them. In fact, he looked around himself and said, You know, we're having a good time, but it it doesn't look affluent enough in here. So he sent out his servants to go and to get the gold and silver objects that had been built specifically and designated specifically for use in the temple and the worship of God and said, bring those in. We're going to drink wine out of them as we party and celebrate our goodness and our greatness and our strength and our might together tonight. Folks, there's... There's trouble ahead when we become so familiar with the sacred that we lose sight of who is to be exalted. When we lose sight of whom is to be exalted and lifted up and worshipped and honored. But that's exactly what happens in this passage When God is dishonored, I want you to understand something. Judgment is approaching fast. Belshazzar was a wicked man. Oh, he sends his servants out. He says, bring them in the goblets. Bring them in gold. Hey, everybody, look at this. These came out of the temple of God in Jerusalem. We're going to use them to drink out of We're going to use them tonight as we party together. And so they just went on laughing it up, whooping it up, having a grand old time. Guess what? All of a sudden, something happened. And the party turned into a panic. They saw something they'd never seen before. They'd never seen anything like it. But we'll get there in a minute. I want to remind you of something. Belshazzar and his friends, they all felt so safe in what they were doing. Who could harm them? They were in the temple. They were in their court. They were in their palace. They were exalting themselves. They were worshiping themselves and their greatness and how wonderful they were. They had nothing to fear. And I would dare say that there are a lot of folks like that today in our world who worship themselves and their ability to make wealth, their ability to gain and to get and to hold and to keep. And we worship ourselves and we exalt ourselves and we think we're the greatest people and we're the most wonderful nation and we are so good. It doesn't matter whether our families are falling apart and our marriages are failing and our homes are collapsing and our kids are killing each other. It doesn't matter if we've destroyed 60 million innocent lives over the course of decades. We're satisfied. We are a great people. Hear what I'm about to tell you, brothers and sisters, friends. You're never safe in sin. I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're the poorest peasant, I don't care if you're the greatest ruler. I don't care if you're the wealthiest person on this side of Wichita. I don't care if you're the richest person in this room. I don't care if you're the poorest person. I don't care what you have or don't have. I'm going to tell you a simple truth. You are never safe in sin. Why? Why, Pastor? Why is that such a big deal? Because you see, my friends, no matter who you are or what you have, here is an eternal truth that none of us can escape. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, and we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can't hide in your bank vault. You can't hide in your boardroom. You can't hide in your safe room at house. Listen, whenever God calls your name, it is time to face the truth. The party's over. The party in Belshazzar's palace. Turned to a panic. It's a simple reason why all of you know it because we read it, but you probably knew it before anyway. There was some strange handwriting on the wall. I want to tell you something. Whenever God decides to stop a party, whew, he gets her done, folks. And it doesn't take him two or three attempts to do it. This was not some parlor trick. No. The Spirit of God began to write upon that wall. And I just want to tell you, for those people who are sitting there, they had to wonder, what in the world was in this wine I just drank? Because right there before their eyes, the fingers of a man began to write on the wall. And you read it there in verse 5. The fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the wall. The king was so afraid that he began to wash out. His knees began to knock together. His legs grew weak. He was scared half to death. He was afraid. I mean, what does this mean? Who is this? He didn't know. And so he calls for the wise men. That's what his daddy always did. I'll call for the wise men of the land. Give me the enchanters, the astrologers, the diviners, the magicians. Bring them all in. These are the guys that give counsel, give guidance. So he brings them into the room and says, here's the deal. Guys, I don't know what this says. Anyone who can, can explain this, I'm going to make you the third most powerful man in this kingdom. I'm going to give you a heavy gold chain around your neck. I'm going to put a purple robe on you. You are going to be the it's it. But what do you do? What do you do when the wise men aren't wise? What do you do when the wise men don't have the wisdom to deal with the situation? I thought of this the other day whenever I, I was lying there on, on the couch watching all of the unfolding stuff in the aftermath and listening to the, to the talking heads and, and the screaming, grieving people. And they're crying out for the wise men in Washington to fix it. They're crying out for the wise men in in the Congress to do something. What do you do when the wise men aren't wise? What do you do when they can't answer it? What do you do when they can't fix it? I mean, all these men were brought into Belshazzar's palace, and they're looking at it, and they didn't have any answers. I love what happened in the middle of this story. Please forgive me. I know that sometimes my brain works in strange ways. And when you're sick, it probably is a little stranger than other times. But I I read this passage again, and, and, and it says to us here that the queen, hearing the voices of the king and the nobles, came, the queen, this wasn't Belshazzar's wife. His wives and concubines were already in. This was the queen mother. This is mama to the rescue. This is mama coming in and saying, son, don't be afraid. There is a man of God in this kingdom. And folks say, what's the big deal about that? You know, maybe it's time that we listen for a minute and realize maybe we need to hearken back to generations before us. That there is a better way. There is a different path than the one we've been walking on. There's a different way to see things and to understand things. And she said, there's this man named Daniel. Oh, your father knew him well. Your father called on him often. In fact, your father made him the charge of all the wise men. Because he was wiser than all the rest. He had the wisdom of God in his head and his heart. He had a knack for interpreting dreams and visions that no one else could even begin to understand. Daniel, this man of God, why Belshazzar, you've put him on the shelf. He didn't even come in with the wise men because you shelved him. You quit listening to his voice. You acted as if he didn't count. Isn't that kind of what happens to the man of God when everything's going along and we're just celebrating and partying and having a good time? Nobody wants to hear the voice of the man of God in that situation. Why, he's a downer. He's a party pooper. Who wants to hear him? (laughs) When the wheels start falling off, where do people turn? Y'all know I'm right. You can sit there and murmur, but you know I'm right. History proves it. And it's not just here in Ireland. It's across the country, but it's certainly around the world. But I'm just going to tell you now, I remember it so well in my own lifetime. I, I know what happened in my hometown when the tornadoes tore through and everybody was wiped out. The churches were filled up. I was a pastor, and I know what happened on the Sunday and for about five or six Sundays after the Twin Towers fell. Our church house was filled up. Oh, but how quickly we forget. But as soon as there's another crisis, we find ourselves in time of need for a, a word or a prayer or, or some direction from God, then we come running. Belshazzar, he sent for this man of God. and He came. church, Hear me, not just me, we have got to be ready to come. We've got to be ready to voice the word of God in a moment. We have to be prepared to to share God's counsel in an instant. Always be ready to give an accounting for the word of hope that's within you. It's not just my word, it's our word. It hasn't just been placed in a pastor. It's been placed in God's people. Daniel came. And he offered God's wisdom to a foolish king. Oh, how I love this man, Daniel. There wasn't a coward's bone in him, not one. Not even one. I know we kind of hopscotched through here, but if you've still got your Bible open, I want you to look. He walks in, Belshazzar says, look, I, I, I got a problem here. I have a problem, I have no answers, I have no one who can give me answers. I've been told that you're the guy. You're the guy my daddy always turned to. Several years ago, I had a young man walk up to me and introduce himself. I didn't recognize him. Last time I'd seen him, he was a small child. I had just finished preaching a funeral in a church that I had left years and years before. And he said, you led my daddy to Christ. And I asked him, I said, are you following the Christ that your daddy knows? No, no, no. One day. One day God's going to call. If that young man pops back into my window, I'm going to tell you I know why he's there. Daniel knew why he was here. He knew exactly. The king repeated everything he would said to the wise men. I told the guys, anybody that can figure this thing out, tell me what it means, what it's supposed to do. Listen, I'll give them... I'll make them a the third person in the kingdom. I'll give them a robe. I'll give them a chain. I'll make them position, power, whatever it is they want, whatever it is they need. Verse 17, Daniel answers, the king, you can keep your gifts for yourself and give rewards to someone else. But I'll tell you what this means. Oh, king, the most high God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Your father may have been a godless man, but he figured out who God was. Now, you want to talk about a brave man? Drop down to verse 22. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you've set yourself up against the God of heaven. Oh, my. Buddy, judgment's coming. There's something we need to be reminded of. Judgment eventually comes to all of us. It comes to every individual. It comes to every nation. It comes to every people. Belshazzar was given a message about his condition. He had been weighed and found wanting by God. He did not measure up to God's expectations of him as a ruler, as a king. Now listen, I'm not saying his father Nebuchadnezzar was perfect. Obviously he wasn't if you've been reading the stories along with me. But here's the reality. For all of the good he may have done as a king or the bad he may have done as a king, he was horribly lacking as a father. He had failed to teach his son the lessons he needed most to know if he was going to live a successful life. Belshazzar knew he'd blown it. Maybe maybe he was just honoring his word. Maybe he was trying to appease his guilt, hoping for some leniency, for some measure of mercy from God. He, he showered Daniel with his gifts. But here's the reality. God's judgment will always be carried out. The handwriting on the wall said it all. The sins of the king Had caught up with him. And here's the reality that we need to grab a hold of real fast, my friends. It does matter what type of people rule over you, they will be judged. But not only was he judged, his kingdom was judged. It was destroyed that very night. It was only a matter of just a a few more hours. And do you know what? All of his wealth, all of his possessions, all of his people, all of his army, all of that meant nothing. Because he had one reality left. And do you know what that reality was? Eternity. That's it. When you breathe your last in this body, you have one reality left eternity. Eternity with Him, or eternity without Him. I repeat myself one more time in closing. You can not sin and win. Daniel was promoted because of his wisdom, because of his counsel, because of his ability to, to translate these words on the wall, because of his ability to speak truth into the life of a king who was about to lose his place. He was promoted. He became the third highest ranking man in the kingdom and probably somebody's saying, well, big deal. The king was fixed to be killed, so you become the third man, and then it's all turned upside down. It is a big deal, because I want to tell you something. When God does something, God does it right. Daniel became the third man in the kingdom, and after the king was assassinated, and after the kingdom was turned upside down, and after the Babylonians were no longer in charge, and the Medes and the Persians were in charge, guess who was number three in the kingdom? Daniel. You can find it in chapter 6. You see, what God does doesn't get undone. What man does can be undone in an instant. Sin always brings the judgment of God. Friends, there are no simple answers to what's happened in our world. There is no simple explanation for what happened in Florida the other day. There are no easy fixes. But I am going to tell you what's behind it all. It's centuries of human sin piled on top of centuries of human sin. It is people, even God's people, forsaking God's ways. It is us devaluing human life that's made in the very image of God. It is the result of of us saying, oh, it's okay, and letting families fall apart. It's us saying, oh, it's okay, and allowing vows made before God and family and friends and to one another to be broken so the marriage no longer has the value and the esteem that it once had. And us raising children in homes where life is not valued, marriage is not honored, parents are absent, And they see and hear and witness things that no child should ever see or hear or witness. And after enough decades go by and enough generations have passed, there is a wickedness that has begun to rise to the surface of our society. My granddad would have called it the scum on the pond. Folks, can I tell you something? Ponds can be cleaned up, but it's not an easy process. And you don't get it done in a day. It takes listening. It takes listening to the Word of God, the man of God, the voice of God, and living it out. Don't you think maybe it's time for a change? Don't you think maybe it's time we do things a little differently and just see if we can't make a little bit of difference? I want you to know something. God's judgment is on the way. I have no doubt about it. We have been weighed, and we have been found wanting. God's judgment is on the way question is whenever the judgment comes where will you be standing where will we be standing you cannot hide behind the skirt tails of queen mama You cannot hide behind the reputation and the legacy of a good daddy. You will stand before the judge and you will give an accounting. Are you ready? I am. I am because, you see, there's one way to get ready, and I want to tell you about it real quick. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's having a heart that's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Each one of us is a sinner. We fall short of the glory of God. And we know the wages of sin is death, but I don't want to stop right there, friends. I want to tell you the truth. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if you'll call out to Him in that moment when you know you need a Savior and confess that sin to Him and ask Him to forgive you, surrender your heart, your life to Him, let Him remake you into a new creation, He will make you a child of the living God. It doesn't mean judgment's not coming. It doesn't mean you won't be judged. But it means this, when you stand before the judge, you'll have an advocate. Go we'll look at the judge and say, that one's mine. That's the reason when I was a kid growing up, we used to sing redeemed. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. And His child forever I am. Are you? It can be this morning. Call on Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of, of commitment. I, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Word of God. I, I don't know what God's saying to you. I don't know how He's speaking to you or what He might be leading you to do this morning. Perhaps you're here and you need a personal relationship with a God who can change your eternity. One day, eternity will be the reality for all of us. There will be no other reality left except that which we have for eternity. Perhaps today you need a Savior. We'd love to introduce you to Him this morning. We know who He is. I've met Him personally. Many people in this room have. But if you've not, I plead with you, don't waste another day. Judgment's coming. Perhaps you're sitting here and you're saying, I, I, had, I, I did that years ago, but it hadn't changed my life much. It hasn't, to listen, friend, either you didn't do it or you've not surrendered your life and let him take you where he wants you to go because it will change you. Perhaps you need some help, some assistance, some encouragement. I'd love to give it to you. Maybe you're, you're sitting there and you're saying, you know, I, I know all of this. But you're looking for a way to connect to the body of Christ. Figuring out how you serve and and how you minister and how you come alongside other believers. and God's trying to do something in your life in that manner. What do you need to do? Maybe you're looking for a church home. If God's led you here, is this where you're supposed to be? If it is, what are you waiting for? Maybe He's calling you to a ministry and you just need to say Yes. I'll do it. Perhaps it's none of that. Maybe you're just here today struggling. You need to hear God's voice. You want him to speak to you. Speak to him. Ask for his direction. Ask for his voice to lead you. He will. If I can help you, I'll do it. If I just need to get out of the way and let you talk to God, I'll do that. So let me pray. After I pray, we'll stand together. We'll sing. If you need to come, come. If you need to talk to him where you are, talk to him. Whatever you need to do, let God have his way this morning. Father, I thank you for your powerful word. Lord, sometimes I wish that I could just get out of the way and let your words flow as they need to. Father, I thank you for those moments of clarity. (laughs) When you put things together, even if I can't express it well, at least in my head, my heart, my mind, I know what it is you're showing me. Father, I pray that today somehow your Holy Spirit has taken it and made sense in the heart and mind of someone else who needed to hear it. Father, we need to run to you. We need to turn to you. We need to trust you. We are a broken, a decimated people. We've taken the very best that you've given us and we've undone it. And we cry out to you for forgiveness. But even more than that, we cry out to you for restoration, for healing, for renewal, for fresh moving of your spirit among us. Father, in this room, there are needs. There are families that are struggling. There are moms and dads who are struggling to relate with their students and vice versa. There are moms and dads that are not relating well to one another. There are homes that are in jeopardy. There are marriages that are at risk. Father, there are people here struggling against illness, struggling with financial issues that keep them so sidetracked they can't even hear what you're trying to say to them. Father, I pray right now that you just speak truth into each heart. Help us to know that you're our provision and our provider. Help us to know that you're our healer and our sustainer. Help us to know, Father, that you are the one who can bring back together that which is broken. You can bind up that which is wounded, and you can bring healing to it all. Father, teach us how to surrender to you. And if there are those who are here today who are broken in sin, Father, and far from you, I pray, convict them of the sin. Call them to yourself that we might rejoice in your redemptive process and work in their lives. Father, whatever you desire to do, have your way in our lives. Bring glory to yourself, and we'll rejoice together in what you do. For it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we pray and ask this. Amen.